Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head. If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Ad Valued Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by Perfect Publishing. Perfect Publishing is a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing is sharing a project of hope. We carefully chose heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Get a dose of hope.com. My guest today is Daniel Mangina, dubbed the master of success by Wall Street Journal and listed as one of the top 10 life coaches to watch for in 2021. Daniel is on a mission to transform lives. As a successful entrepreneur, best selling author, podcast host, life and business transformation coach, and international public speaker, Daniel is known for his programs and content that take clients to the next level, living lives of abundance in every sense of the word. Daniel believes that wealth creates freedom for people to intentionally design their lives to include enormous joy, deeper purpose, vitality and health, and relationships that go beyond being satisfying to true connection. He is committed to teaching his clients how to achieve all of it by sharing the exact steps he developed and used to create the success for himself. Daniel Manjana and Robert have an inspirational discussion about the power of living your best life. It starts with making a choice to do something different, to be someone different. You must lean into building relationships because with the right skills, time, and experience, you can quickly convert relationships, capital, into money. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I am so grateful for, for you taking the time, and I'm so grateful for our audience that's taking the time to listen, and I definitely know that we're going to provide them with a ton of value today. I'm just grateful for the opportunity to connect and have this conversation. Thanks, Robert, for having me on. Absolutely. And then, of course, I want to thank Jerome for, for referring you and and had a wonderful conversation with, with Jerome. And, yeah, just he has made uh, some amazing connections for me, which has been, you know, pretty He's just cool. an awesome cat. I love him. We were just actually WhatsApping a little bit ago because we we're, uh, we're planning to go to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix together uh, this year. So uh, we're just working out some details on that. The Abu Dhabi Grand Prix? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> wow. That's uh, uh there's obviously a few I'm a I'm a NASCAR fan and so NASCAR races try to get to two a year. Um but of nice. course Formula 1 has one or two tracks that are just, you know, iconic and and mm -hmm. would be incredibly, you know, what an incredible experience. So that's awesome. that's pretty exciting that you and Jerome get to do that. So I I expect a report, pictures, stories, <laughs> all, the, all the information. <laughs> so I, I typically just start each show with a guest sharing their entrepreneurial journey and, and what got mm -hmm. them to, to where they are today. So mm -hmm. I'll just let you tell us, tell us about Daniel's journey. Well, I, I did. It's, it's always interesting when people say, what was your entrepreneurial journey? Because I didn't actually have an entrepreneurial journey. I've not done much else besides being an entrepreneur my entire life. I had a job in the cinema when I was a teenager. 
And that wasn't because I needed the money. It's because I was bored one summer and uh, some uh, a friend of mine worked at the cinema. He's like, hey, if you're doing nothing, they need people here. They're just hiring everybody. I was like, oh, hey, I'll come and do it. And I worked on a Ben and Jerry stand and my two best friends, Nathan and Jamie. Um, we met then when we were 15 years old. We've been our friends for 23 years. And um, uh, and then I, I did need, the next time I had a job, I actually needed the job when I was rebuilding my life after the second big loss of everything in my mid-20s. And I worked in a call center for about six months. And other than that, I've, I've, I've never done corporate. I've never had to wear a suit and tie to go to somebody else, you know, give me the career ladder thing. I've, I've never done that. And so it's always really interesting for me. Oh, what was your entrepreneurial journey? Well, it was just my life, really. <laughs> this is, this is just what, I've, this is all I've really known. To be fair, it is still a journey, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a journey I to mean, it. Life is a life is life is a journey in itself. Right. And so, yes, 100 percent. Yeah. 100%. So so tell me a little bit about what what's led you to to what you're doing today. So what I'm doing today is it's, so when you hear people talking about being in the space that I'm in, the personal development, helping people grow, um, a lot of people that I know, they came here because I was, you know, I was doing this and I was really empty and I was looking for my purpose. And then I found my calling. That's not how it was for me, Robert. I was really living my best life, actually, before um, I made and lost everything twice by the age of 23. And uh, at the time of coming to do this business, I'd actually managed to build up the business successfully over a number of years. I got it to the point where it was making over £100,000 a month. And I was, I was, I was living my best life. Like I said, I was, you know, I was working out. I was doing my jujitsu. I was dating when I felt like dating. And, you know, I had great relationships with my family, great circle of friends. I was traveling and having fun. I lived where I wanted to live, all of the things. And this, this nudge kept showing up like, Hey, <laughs> come, come and come over here. I was like, no, I'm not coming over here. I'm very happy here. Because there was probably some trauma around that because of everything that had gone wrong before. When I was in this space where everything worked and everything was safe and everything was kind of moving in the right direction and it was chill, it was quiet, there was no drama. The prospect of mixing that up really did fill me with a lot of dread. Uh, but over the course of, I would say, I want to say 2016, middle of 2016 into um, the beginning of 2018 when I when I made the commitment to, to, to leave what I was doing and come and do this now, there was this progressive series of Jonah and the Whale moments and uh, aha moments and revelations and some really weird times and weird synchronicities. And then on the 13th of February 2018, I was at a meditation retreat uh, in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And for those of you who aren't familiar with what the weather's like, at six o'clock in the morning.
Hey, sorry about that. Where did I cut off? It just so froze. You, you had just said uh, February 13th, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and you were going to describe okay. the weather. Okay. Uh, have you got an editor? Can we just pick it up or do you want me to start? Yeah, no. Yep. Fantastic. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. Brilliant. So, uh, so 13th of February, um, Santa Fe, New Mexico. And for those who aren't familiar, the weather is not, it's not pleasant at six o'clock in the morning in Santa Fe in February. So I had a hat, I had a scarf, I had gloves, I had thermals on. I don't know if you've ever heard of hot pockets, Robert. I learned about them when I went to Iceland they're like these little things you shape them and they become like these little radiator things They're about that big and i had one in each glove i had one in the pockets i had some underneath my the the instep of my feet to keep my feet warm it was cold and uh as this icicleness is going on i'm, I'm doing this walking meditation and all of a sudden i don't know what happened it was like having this completely virtual reality three-dimensional experience and it's like i was teleported to seeing what my life would be like if i answered the call that i was being invited uh, I was being invited to, to to step up to. And I realized that although my life was good um, and although it was safe and all of the craziness that had happened leading up to that had found some resolution, there was something even more yummy and beautiful that was waiting for me if I just said yes. And that day, I just closed down everything and uh, I packed up. And within a little bit, I was traveling around the world sharing sharing my work on my own dime, not as a business, not as a a mission with a business plan and an income goals or whatever. I was, you know, out of my own pocket, renting rooms and begging people to come and listen to what I had to say. And, uh, and, and yeah, here we are a few years later. Very, very interesting. So obviously you stepped into the, the personal development space and, and, and made a decision to, to help people serve people. And, mm -hmm. and obviously a lot of that, um, revolves around money and it seems mm -hmm. like obviously you didn't you didn't have some of the money mindset issues um making money losing money you know, having gotten yourself to a place at a very young age of uh, that most people aspire to um and so now how, how do you help people with with those money issues when they come into that space First and foremost, you know, I, I like to rem to remind people that it's 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 so funny that we make money this really big magical thing when actually it's one of the easiest things in the world because someone just literally sits down and agrees to type some numbers on a screen, and these numbers on a screen move around, and they move around. They want to move around, and all you need to do is just to give someone an excuse to move money to you. And with the billions of people in the world there is always, always, always something that you have that you know, or someone that you know, or someone that you know that has something that can either solve a problem or, you know, relieve someone from a space of pain that will create a space for them to desire to move those numbers on the screen to you. It's really not that big a deal. And yet we've got all these emotional charges around it and all of these stories like, oh my God, what's my marketing strategy going to be? The marketing strategy should be just to put your solution or your your pain removal point in front of the people that either have the problem or have the pain and to do so in such a way that allows your energy to align with them. And then you've got money, right? You want to make more money. You can either change the rate of exchange for you bringing that solution or relieving that pain or change the number of units with that you're serving. It's, it's not that, that complicated. 
but again, we have these stories that creates this mindset that creates these illusions that holds us in this, this space of, of, of captivity away from success uh, and in the, the confines of, of these narratives, these stories and these illusions so that we don't have money. Wow. And obviously that, that is right. That's the entrepreneurial journey in a, in a nutshell is you have yeah. a solution to a problem. You bring that solution to the marketplace and, and you, you get compensated for shortcutting <laughs> people's lives. Right. I mean, you know, that's it. Yeah. And, and I love when entrepreneurs find a problem, figure out a solution and then take it to the market. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so it's, it is interesting. I think one of the things, at least in American culture, there's generational ideas that we don't talk about money and, and money is mm -hmm. not talked about. And, you know, one of our challenges now is we've got these racial disparities. We've got these gender disparities in salary and in, in how people are charged fees and, and, and some of these things. And I, you know, the solution is, is talking about money. <laughs> And, and and of course, marriages marriages fall apart and collapse. Oh yeah, one of the biggest one of the biggest they don't one talk of the biggest about reasons. Money. So, <laughs> so obvi obviously, you, you know, money has a different view for you. And and, mm -hmm. and and how do you help people let go of this emotional tie, these emotional um, challenges to make it okay to talk about money? I think we just need to change the narrative around money and also just start to to take it off the pedestal first and foremost, right? And also, I, I feel that there's something to be said here for being in relationship, in connection, community, and partnership with people who share the values that you do around this desire to change and start talking about money. Because I can support one person, you know, to the moon in terms of dropping those stories. But if they're in partnership with someone who doesn't want to drop that story, then that's there's going to be a mismatch there. It's going to be a disconnect. And so, you know, having shared values around growth and wanting to move forward, again, has to be on the table as well. And when you have done that, when you do have that, then the work that you're doing matches the work that they're doing and you can move forward. I was just on a call from Mastermind that I'm on this morning and Dr. Brad Wolf, shout out Dr. B-dubs. Um, he's like, you know, one of the biggest problems that we have as humans is the stuff that we get from other people, the problems of other people, right? If it was just us, it's a very different narrative. But, you know, there are billions of people in the world and we're going to have to relate with them too. But thankfully, we do have the choice about which of those people we do actually relate and converse with. Oh, that's so powerful, right? I, I think for many, it's challenging to be intentional in their relationships, right? So as a coach coming alongside people, we help them be intentional with their money, intentional with their time, but intentional mm -hmm. with their relationships is, is just as important because mm -hmm. those are, those are the three primary drivers to life. Mm -hmm. Right. And, mm -hmm. may, so, may I share a quick story that I learned from one yeah, of my absolutely. mentors? Absolutely. Um, just to give context to where this man is right now. Um, I did some work with him when I had the consulting business, which was my last business. And, um, He's got a steam coal mine in Indonesia and he's got a couple of oil wells. He, he does well and he does oil trading. He has an account that has to sit for securing these oil trades. It's got like 200 odd million pounds in it. Just, just there. Right. Just uh, there. He's just there. And, uh, I supported him in selling a percentage of one of his companies for 800 million to some Saudis, Were they Saudis or Kuwaitis or something. Anyway, so he's a very successful person, right? Older guy. And, uh, once I, I met with him, 
it was during this time of transition, this 2016 to 2018 time when things were like going a bit weird. And I sat him down, he sat me down to, to just counsel me uh, and just to sort of talk me through. And he shared part of his story. And so he's um, Nigerian by birth. He lives in the between the UK and Monaco, but he's a Nigerian guy. And I just assumed that he was from money because he's got so much money. I just assume, right, you're from money or whatever, you know. But he's like, no, he, you know, he made his first bit of money in his 20s. Uh, in Timber in West Africa, Liberia. And then uh, there was the coup and everything that happened. And he had to like flee the country with nothing but the clothes on his back. And he ended up on the sofa of a woman who's now his wife. And he said, Dan, within a year and a half, I was a multimillionaire again. And he said, and it's because of relationships. Uh, and at the time I was having some challenges with people I was in business with. And he's like, at the end of the day, the most important thing you have to keep is your relationships. The relationships are always going to be there no matter what else isn't there. And, and I found that to be true time and time again. And one of the modules in our signature program, Micro to Millions, is uh, the different types of capital that you didn't know you had. Hmm. And so many people, again, put all of this emphasis on money, which someone can steal. Inflation now is eroding. Uh, your government can seize. Like there's all of these different things that can happen. And yet there are all these other types of capital. Again, your relationship capital, your skills capital. Uh, your, 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 your time, if you have that energy, um, uh, experience, all of these other types of capital that we have that actually are much more powerful and we have a lot more control over than money. And yet most of them can be quickly converted into money. Another one of my mentors always said that being rich isn't having money in the bank, it's having the ability to call out the resources to live life on your own terms. And when you actually shift the focus away from this ephemeral numbers on a screen and to the real world things that we have that you can then translate through problem solving and through relieving people from pain into cash to, for you to live life at your own terms, then the game of life, the game of money, the game of business changes, I find. Oh, that's so powerful. So obviously you, you're mentioning about boundaries, right? You're mentioning about creating um protecting relationships, but also there's this, this recognition of relationships that aren't supporting your mm -hmm. dream, aren't supporting your, where you're going. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's important to, to be aware of those and, and create boundaries to protect yourself. Sometimes they're family, right? So you can't, mm -hmm. you can't cut them out of your life entirely, but you can, but you need a boundary. Yeah. Mm. So let's talk about the power of setting boundaries and, and protecting, mm -hmm. protecting what's important to you in, in, mm -hmm. in the relationship. So I like to look at boundaries, not so much as a protection, but actually a loving act. Mm. I'm setting clear guidelines for how we're going to relate so that we can relate more fully into those boundaries, honoring and respecting each other, our needs, um, and, uh, you know, just what, what we desire to experience. And so when I set a boundary with someone, I'm not setting a boundary saying you can't go here. I'm saying, I want to love, us to love each other fully up to this point where our, our values or our ideas or our needs start to come into conflict. So it allows us to actually be fully present and fully experience each other up to very clear lines. It removes, uh, it brings clarity, it removes confusion, and it just allows everybody to be on the same page. And I think that's a very powerful thing to have when you approach it from that empowering perspective versus from a constrictive or, or, or limiting basis. I really like that. I mean, I love the idea of, of allowing yourself to love fully and, and be present fully. Um, 
and and yet providing that limitation that you know in this relationship we're not going to talk about this or in this relationship mm-hmm. we're not going to stay beyond you know this mm-hmm. this area you know mm-hmm. for for me having been in ministry and and one of the the boundaries that i was first taught that was really valuable was the, the boundary protecting my marriage and mm-hmm. and it you know not meeting with women one-on-one in my office alone. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and, and not, you know, not giving a woman a ride in my car by myself and, and just, mm-hmm. just some of those boundaries. And, and those were early boundaries now, but, mm-hmm. but recognizing the power of those boundaries in, in protecting what was, what was ultimately important to me. And, and even in those boundaries, I mean, you're actually supporting everybody because it's clear lines. Absolutely. Right? It's just, it's a clear line. It's not, oh, I'm limiting myself from being in a car alone with a young lady or whatever. I'm actually creating a safe, clear space for us all to relate that doesn't allow space for confusion or for potential conflict and, and issues. And, so we're just going to, we're going to play in this very safe, open sandpit. Yep. And, and, and we lived in a situation, one of our coworkers was, was a, a young single doctor. And, and when there was a situation where I was the car and, and she was there it was, it was simple. Okay. This is a boundary, but I need to call my wife and say, Hey, you know what? We're, we're leaving, we're leaving this place now and we're heading down there and I'm giving her a ride because I'm the only ride available right now. And so there, there's mm-hmm. flexibility, but are, mm-hmm. are ways to honor the boundary without it being a, a limitation, right? A, a strict, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it wasn't a rule. It was, it was a, mm-hmm. it was a, I, I it was a gift. It was a, like it was a way that you were gifting and honoring each other by exactly. having that clear communication about what's going on. Clarity in the expectations, clarity, and, and and my wife always felt awkward about it. Like she's like, well, "This is so silly," but yet, <laughs> it, 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 because she trusted me, right? Mm-hmm. But part of that trust was was the fact that we maintained that that boundary, right? And mm-hmm. and and I can honestly say that I haven't had those temptations that other men have men have had that ruin their marriages, and mm-hmm. and I. I mean, in part, I can, I credit the boundaries and in part, I credit, you know, the clarity that my wife have had and I have had in our relationship. And so mm-hmm. they're both, they, they're both can be important. And, and I, I think of it kind of like when our, when your kids are growing up, right. The, the boundaries are a little different as they get older, you know, the, the boundaries move, they, mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they, they stretch or expand and, and you, it moves more from, you know, this is a rule you have to follow to this is this is a suggested way of living. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think, I think sometimes we get stuck in just, just rules for rules sake. <laughs> and, mm. and, and then we've got all these rules that, that we've put into place. And then, and then it's coming from a place of limitation rather than a place of abundance. And, and, and I think that leads into some of our, our scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. In, in agreed. Many ways. agreed. Completely agreed. So, so obviously you live in a world of abundance and, and, and you understand the power of abundance in, in the potential around us, right? Mm-hmm. How do you help others in make that transition? Mm-hmm. So I think the, the very first thing is, is to, to get on the same page with whoever I'm, I'm conversing with about what abundance is and then what abundance can mean to them as an individual. Um, one of the things I learned on a course I did about 15, 20 years ago was just how much power sits behind the meaning of words and how that impacts us at the unconscious level and shifts the narrative about how we connect with each other. So my son's mother is a, she's Russian, uh, Russian American, but Russian. She moved to the States when she was 21. 
And um, there are, you know, looking back on what worked and didn't work with the time that we were together, um, there was uh, there's this whole thing about misunderstood words. Mm. And me, because she was so competent, very smart woman, very competent with English, I would sometimes lose sight of the fact that this word is being translated and responded to by her at the unconscious level, not the conscious level, at the unconscious level. And it's not just when we're having conversations with others, when we're having conversations with ourselves too. <laughs> and so in order to have the, the most impact and to have the most movement forward, it is incumbent upon us to be really clear about the meaning that we're attributing to what we're talking about so that we can be then clear on what the potentials are at least in terms of how we can respond or react to what's happening. And when we want to start creating something, then that intentionality is going to be very challenging if we don't have true clarity on the meanings of the words that are playing into this game that we're, we're seeking to create. And so when it comes to abundance, it's getting people clear on the page, same page of what it is. And then depending on the level of, uh, depending on the definition that they're carrying of it, I then look very much to expand it into a very holistic, um, open, and, and deeply full of potential perspective and what abundance is, and then start to look at the identity that they need to carry against the backdrop of that, of uh, the emotional state that they need to be in, supporting them and creating an environment that's gonna be conducive to those emotions. And then looking at the stories in their mind that are standing in the way of all that momentum that's been built and the actions, habits, and behaviors that will support them maintaining an unconscious momentum towards that abundance. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson, available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, to dream.com. That's empower, number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. All right, there was a lot there. So, so first, first of all, I think that there is obviously even those of us that have been in the same culture can carry different meanings with different words. And mm -hmm. you brought you brought two cultures together with the mother of, mm -hmm. of your son that that are very divergent. <laughs> <laughs> very. And, and and obviously English was a second language for her, and so that carries mm -hmm. a whole another <laughs> level of. Whole potential other. differences right i mean mm -hmm. you and i speak english but your english is still you're going to use words that are different than the words that i use <laughs> and, and and although you have a beautiful accent and you sound incredible the 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 differences in meaning can be very very important and i love mm -hmm. that you even mentioned even in the stories that we're telling ourselves those mm -hmm. words have have that meaning and it can be challenging to find clarity and and especially when those things are happening at, at the subconscious level, which mm. you know, makes adds challenges to the relationship, adds challenges to to communication, but then of course adds challenges to the mindset <laughs> that mm -hmm. you're trying to to achieve. So so communication is is so powerful, especially communication with ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and so helping people clarify that um, is so so powerful and so much that you've mentioned is based on relationship and communication that's that's i mean it's just incredible to me how much it keeps it keeps coming up here 
<laughs> How- I mean, everything's, everything's relationship, right? Even the stuff with ourselves, the relationship between the different parts of our mind. Um, there's a whole um, school of thought around parts integration and the parts of ourself, our inner child, our inner adult. Um, uh, even when we look at that meaning of words, we can have a conscious relationship to a meaning of the word and then some trauma or some childhood memory could actually hold us locked at the unconscious level to a completely different meaning to the word, which is actually informing our, our, our behavior. And until we start to resolve these internal relationships, we're going to have challenges managing our external relationships. Uh, and even when we look at the way that we relate to things like money, again, the way that we relate to money is going to be very much tied to the way that we relate to ourselves and, and those parts of ourselves. I teach a concept I call bleed theory, B-L-E-E-D, bleed theory. And what it looks at is the fact that although we have the belief that we create different things differently or these different parts of ourselves are separate, in truth, they're not. These are stories, narratives, and, and mental uh, mental hooks that keep us in these points of separation. And so how I relate to money is, is linked to how I relate to myself because how I relate is how I relate. But I have the story that it's different. And then that story creates these layers and these these uh, these silhouettes and these 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 camouflages to, to think that they they exist, but they really don't. And I can use any one of those relationships to help heal and expand any of them. Much of the point about me t- talking about money all the time. I'm not talking about money because money is the most important thing. It's because it's a very measurable way to track how we create, how we relate, and how things work for us as an individual. And once I've mastered that around something that I can measure like money, I can then apply it to everything else. And that's what I really care about. Wow, that's really powerful. So you mentioned mentors a, a few mm-hmm. times, and and how I mean, obviously, mentors have been valuable to you. How how would you encourage someone to find a mentor and and work work with a mentor in in this you know growing space? So the really great thing about being in this information age that we are is that so many people are sharing this story, sharing the wisdom, and sharing their insights for free. Um. I've had the opportunity now to to come into closer relationship with people that I followed from afar. But initially I was learning from them, for example, remotely, whether or not I had the financial means to connect with them physically. Sometimes it's a point of access, but right. You've got this, this podcast, right? And so someone that wants to be mentored by you, Robert, can actually just listen to what you have to say on the podcast and follow the advice. Um, people have books, people have YouTube channels, people have biographies. You can learn so much from people. I had the, um, the pleasure to 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 meet sir richard branson i went to his private island uh, a few months ago and that's been someone who i've looked up to and 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 sought to to want to learn lessons from for you know decades now and yet it was really fascinating that so much of what i wanted to learn of and from about him was actually already present in in how he shows up and what he puts in his books and all of the things and so I would say don't put this barrier to entry that, oh, I can't afford or I can't have access to the person. You'd be surprised how many people are actually in integrity in real life to what they put in their book or what they're on their podcast or the YouTube channel. So that's a great place to start in terms of how, in terms of who I would say look to. So for me, the difference between mentorship and coaching for me is mentorship is someone who's been where you want to go. And coaching is someone who can get you to where you want to get to, right? Mm-hmm. So the person who wants, I mean, I always look at the, the Mike Tyson as, as an example. Mike Tyson's coach couldn't beat him in a fight, but he could get you to the point where you could beat him in a fight, right? Um, a coach can bring that out of you. A mentor has been where you, want, where you want to go. So you're looking at someone who's achieved what you want to achieve. And it doesn't have to be that you, you want to be mentored by them in every area of, 
of their life, of your life. You may have a particular point that you want to be mentored by them from. So for example, someone might not be interested in the way that you relate in, with your wife, but love the way that you show up and deal with people, the way that you carry yourself. And so you can mentor them on that. And they may want to go and get relationship mentorship from somebody else. And so just be discerning in terms of people, A, being an integrity, as much as you can find that out, being an integrity to what they what they put, put out. And just allow people to be human and focus on what you're there to learn from them. And remember that you can do it from afar. Well, that's so good. I like the Tyson example. I always use Tom Brady and, and talk about Tom Brady has a quarterback coach that's never won a Super Bowl. There you go. It's amazing. And, yet, and he's, and yet he's he, a monster. <laughs> yeah. And yet he's, you know, Tom Brady's still the best quarterback in the world, but still has yeah. a quarterback coach to, to, to evaluate and get him where he wants to go. Much to my dismay of me seeing him rip apart my beloved New York Jets. Um, oh my really goodness. Painful. You're a New <laughs> York Jets fan? cuts through. Yeah. So I first, when I first started going to the, let me, let me explain, let me explain myself. When I first started <laughs> going to the U S uh, back in 20. 14, I was always going to New York and that was like my first official home away from home in terms of the US. And so all of my American sports teams are all New York teams. And I, I love an underdog. I'm a, I'm a West Ham fan in terms of soccer, for those of you who know what that means. Uh, so yeah, you know, Rangers fan when it comes to ice hockey, uh, Yankees when it comes to baseball, uh, Jets when it comes to um, uh, American football. Okay, well, I, I, I like the loyalty. And, and I like that you're being an integrity. <laughs> <laughs> Even in the pain. Even in the pain. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's too many Fairweather fans in the world. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm not one of those. So I, I like you mentioned being an integrity. Uh, obviously, in this online space, character and, and authenticity can be, I think people feel a need to, to well, the idea of fake it till you make it, right? The idea of, mm. of, of put on a facade and, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, they pretend to be somebody that they're not in, and, and, and we've, you know, we've all seen, you know, the guy that goes and rents the, you know, rents the fancy car and takes pictures to put on his website or, mm -hmm. or, you know, gets mm -hmm. pictures in front of the, in, in front of the private jet that he's not riding in or <laughs> <laughs> these, these kinds of, these kinds of things to, to put an image out there. And, and so how important, I mean, you mentioned integrity. I, I use the word character, um, but mm -hmm. just the opportunity to be your authentic self. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, how's it working out for those fake people? <laughs> Maybe they have a little short-term hit, but does it last? And how do they feel inside? Mm. Like, how empty must you be that you need the love and acceptance pseudo love and acceptance of others that's based purely on the fact that you're pretending to be someone that you're not that's an empty existence and if you care for an empty existence then rock on no judgment here but if you desire to have a full ex like a full experience that's you know actually got substance to it then consider this people will feel you before they hear you they will mm. feel you before they will see you right and if you're struggling to create success in your business and you're trying to create success in your business using these half-baked, cookie-cutter, illusionary story, fake things, then ask yourself if maybe there's another way that I can try. And maybe if I just show up and say to people, hey, I'm beta testing this thing, but I'd love to give you a try. And these are the credentials that I believe would empower me to be able to serve you at this level. Hey, 
I'm a coach in this thing. I'm not a mentor. I'm not making a million dollars in my business, but this is what I believe I can bring to your business to take you to that level. Like, I would say just try, even if you do it with a, a low stress point, try in integrity on, see how it feels in your body, see how it feels in your heart and see how people respond to you when you're just being honest about who you are and what you can do. And that is so powerful and, and so true, right? I mean, there's nearly 8 billion people on the planet. There's, there's gotta be 10 that, that you can help with your and, and honest crazy, pain. With the honest way. And the, th and the crazy thing is, is that, you know, one of the things that I do is a concept I teach called micro shifting. And it looks at breaking things down into like a minimal task. In order for you to have a hundred thousand dollar business or the magical six figure business, which really doesn't even cut it these days, right. it's $8,333 a month of income that you need to be making a little over $2,000 a week. So depending on the problem that you're solving, depending on the pain that you're alleviating people from that's alleviating people from $2,000 of pain a week, right? If you're working five days a week, it's $400 a day in pain that you're alleviating. There are 8 billion people in the world, pretty much. Billions of them speak the same language of you, as you. Why not look at your gifts, look at what you have to offer, and simply line that up with a pain point or a problem solution that hits the $400 a day mark? That's it. Or some kind of recurring revenue model. One of the things, that, another model that, I've, that we've given to, to some of the clients that we work with is, is the 100 true fans model. If you've got 100 people that are willing to invest in you to the tune of $1,000 a year, $1,000 a year, right? 83 bucks a month, you've got a six-figure business with 100 people out of billions. You want to take it up a notch and have a, a million-dollar business? 10x that. 1,000 people ready to spend 1,000 with you a year. That could be a recovering revenue model. It could be some kind of membership. It could be, it doesn't matter what it is, but it's not that big a deal that we have to put all of this time and energy. What if all the time and energy we put into being fake, we just diverted that into being real and serving people in a real way as our real self. Again, it's not even that big a deal. A thousand people out of billions. I'm sure if you're being real and actually going out there, providing real value and serving people in a real way, God will bring them to you, man. There's no need to be fake at all. It's just a waste of energy. Hmm. Well, and just, just from a business standpoint, you just laid down two very realistic business models. Yeah. Solve a real pain for, you know, $83 a day and <laughs> a month, $83 a month. <laughs> yeah. $83 a month. It's a, uh, <laughs> When you when you when you lay it down that easy, it's like, oh wait, this, this yeah, shouldn't be this like, complicated. It's just like when people like so we've had people come through the micro to millions program. You know, they're hundreds of thousands within a year. That we've had many people get to the million within a year. I think our quickest was like seven or eight months. Um, and like, oh my god, how do you do it? It's really not that complicated, <laughs> but it is about tailoring that non complexity to the person, and that's where. Our money DNA comes in. That's where the micro shifting comes in to get past that, that thing. Going through what the identity is, what their concept of abundance is, dropping those stories. Once you do that, being a millionaire is not that difficult. Being six figures is not that difficult. Being financially free is not that difficult. It's just understanding all of these things within us that create those stories that it is. Well, and and I think obviously one of the challenges for for many entrepreneurs is this this shiny object out there, right? We we mm -hmm. want to avoid the sales. We want to avoid the the 
focus on marketing and 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 all the promises out there in the, in the space. The, the next right? fandangle. I don't know what it is right now. What was it before? I, everyone. I mean, we we had a lot of success serving people with summits. Then everybody's doing a summit. Got to, everyone's got to have a podcast. Everyone's got to be an Amazon bestseller, which isn't even real because Amazon doesn't have a bestseller like that. But like all of this stuff that people again putting all this energy into instead of just finding out how you have the capacity to go out and connect in a real way with people who have that real problem or that real need for the solution that you have. Go and do that. And you've got wealth. You've got abundance. It's really not that complicated. Yeah. The, the, the whole bestseller thing, even the New York times bestseller is, is funky. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, if we're honest, like they don't even tell you, they don't have a guideline. They don't have rules and we know authors can no. buy their way. And, and it's not it's, about it's, it's very books. complicated, but it can it's, be done. Right. Yeah. It's, it's exactly. an editorial based one. The only, the only one that's close to, to legitimate is like the wall street journal. And yet yep. it's not the most popular one. <laughs> so, but it's the right. most legitimate list. <laughs> it is the most legitimate list. <laughs> what people don't understand about the whole Amazon bestseller thing is, is that they have so many categories. And so you, you end up, you can get a bestseller in, some micro category because and you only need to sell you could sell 50 books a bit i'm a best-selling author i sold 50 books to my cousins and aunties that they're never going to read <laughs> what if all that energy would and I, i'm saying this is someone that got allured in that years ago like oh yeah i've got to have an amazon bestseller and i had this one and yeah you, know, you paid to be in this book and then you oh come and buy my book for 99 cents and do you know how many books i've got on my kindle account of these things that i've supported i'm never going to read these books what about if instead of go into all that energy to create a book that nobody's going to read. You actually just took the information that's in the book and just put it in front of the people who are going to be served by it. Wouldn't that be a weird world? <laughs> but more effective. <laughs> more effective. <laughs> oh, man, that's that's so good. All right, so we talked about, obviously, authenticity and, and integrity. How, how has gratitude served you? And, and do you Oof. have a gratitude practice? Saved my life, Robert. Saved my life. Really did. Um, I, I practice practice gratitude in advance. It's part of my four step beyond intention model. Uh, step three is actually gratitude. And uh, for me, gratitude is actually the point of creation. It's the point of pulling in from the unseen to the seen, because that's the point of true gratitude when we actually accept something as being ours. And so that's how I practice gratitude primarily. Uh, I do have a regular mainstream gratitude practice before bed. Um, you know, I sit down in my journal and I write things that I'm being grateful for that day. I like to express gratitude to people also and share with loved ones what I'm grateful for and also to embody that great gratitude in, in terms of how I show up in those relationships with people. But yeah, gratitude's a big one for me. Very big. Mm. So what other, what other routines are important for you? I think it's imperative to understand the, the power of gratitude and to lose the, 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 the poppy kind of relationship to gratitude. And to understand that there's so much science just about how gratitude as a practice literally changes the wiring of your brain, changes what's going on with your, 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 your body's chemistry, and sets you up to think, be, and, and, and have different. Uh, and, and just to, to see what is it that I can do as an individual that allows me to experience those benefits of gratitude in a way that works for me. Not everybody's going to want to keep a gratitude journal, right? So I know a friend of mine, she does her walking gratitude. She goes for a walk every day and she just gets into a space of gratitude and goes through them in her head. She's not writing them down in a journal. And yet that works for her. It's about finding out what's going to work for you. Yeah, absolutely. What other, what other routines do you have in, in your daily life and weekly 
life that are important? Uh, for me, it's taking time in the morning and taking time before bed and also checking in over the course of the day. So at least two or three times during the day, some, sometimes more, I pause and, and I've got them in my schedule where I, I, I pause and say, okay, what's going on with me? What am I thinking right now? What am I feeling right now? Are those thoughts and feelings aligned with what I want to create? Um, is there anything that's come up to heal? Is there anything that's come up that I need to even apologize to somebody for? Um, is there a way that I need to, to go and honor myself a bit better? Do I need to take some time out? Um, am I enjoying what I've been doing? Just checking in and, and really getting clear. But the morning I'm setting myself up for the day and I'm looking at doing something to express gratitude to God, number one, um, uh, set myself up with a clear vision for my day with some kind of visualization practice, um, take care of my body somehow, whether it's going to have a workout, stretch, do some yoga. Um, but I like to look, take care of my spirit, my mind and my body before I get into the day. Mm. So good. All right. So you mentioned your trip to Abu Dhabi coming up. How important is play yes. and fun as part of your growth and routine? It's becoming a more it's becoming a much more prevalent part. I, I think I'd underestimated the power of play. Um, I just came off a seven week trip around Europe, um, hang out with friends, doing some really cool stuff. Went to Lake Como. We're in the, uh, I was in Florence a little bit. I was hanging out with some friends in Barcelona and other places and whatever. And I think since since it became more prevalent a little while ago i've actually made it a point that every day i do something that i find to be fun and 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 fun doesn't have to be jumping out of an airplane it's just what lifts your spirit and fills you up yesterday for example it was just some playtime that i had with my son we're playing chase and running around and doing this thing where i made him think he was jumping really high and he was giggling and it just filled me with joy just doing something that's going to fill you with joy every day is just really really powerful medicine absolutely i think um, it's too easy to get caught up in, in stress and anxiety and, mm -hmm. and especially for entrepreneurs that feel like they're, they're doing it alone. And I think mm -hmm. one of the weaknesses of at least American independent spirit and entrepreneurial independent spirit is there's this, this independent idea that, you know, I'm a grown ass man. I should be able to figure this out. I can handle it on my own and, 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 and trying to tough through it while they're working mm -hmm. 60 hours a week and they're, and they're, you know, in their brain is in fight and flight because they're stressed out and, and full of anxiety. Mm -hmm. how, how do we help them let go of that and, and open up to ask for help? <laughs> I think first and foremost, someone has to want it enough. So many people aren't getting it because they don't really want it. They think that they want it, but they really don't. Mm. So really firing and wanting is really, really important. Um, and then just to give them the insight as to what life might look like if they did receive it and finding the pockets where we can pull that in. Where are their pockets where they are experiencing something similar that we can pull their attention to and actually have their mind, body, and their soul really feel that so that they can actually have something to move towards. Give them a, a target that they can go to because they can feel the yumminess of that. I love that you used the word yumminess. That's a <laughs> what a great word. <laughs> that that's fantastic. So, what uh, what inspires you, Daniel? Since uh, I mean, my son Ethan's twenty months old. So since since being a dad, that's probably trumps everything. <laughs> like really trumps everything. And it's so funny. Friends that ha have had kids. Or whatever, always like, oh, you being a dad, this, being a dad, that, and 
really? What about it's like, whoa, <laughs> like it's, it literally, you, you can't put it into words. And a mate of mine just had his first baby this weekend. And I was like, dude, just soak it in. Just, just soak it in. Just, just, just soak it in. So it's definitely well, up there. I figured out how to 10 exit being a grandpa. That that's like, that's uh, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard, I've got, I've got a, God willing, I've got a good 18, 20 years before that one kicks in, but yeah, <laughs> so no, I'll enjoy this one. Don't try to rush it. Although I've been working on a business model in my sleep that I think we're, we, we got to figure out how to help people be grandparents and skip the whole parenting thing. Cause it's, it's just it 10 X is it. It's if, if I could pull it, if I could pull the pieces together, I think that would be We'll put together the marketing plan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but All definitely right. being a dad is a big one for me. Nice. So mm. um, I want to say, what what was your favorite place to visit or or your favorite meal that you've had around the world? Well, I don't really have favorite things. It's part of my wiring, having Asperger's. But I do have things that are hot front of mind right now. I had a most delicious full course of dinner Um in, in in Tuscany not too long ago and there was this very delicious thing I've never tried before which was a zucchini flan mm. and it's like a, a savory muffin made with zucchinis that just melted in my mouth and followed that up with a a papadil ragu uh, and we had like a florentina steak and a delicious bottle of wine and this amazing cheesecake dinner I'm thinking about that right now so that that's got the, the crown right now uh nice. that's got the crown um in terms of place I've been to some beautiful places. Um, a place that's very near and dear to my heart is a particular beach um, um, in Thailand um, that I went to. And it was just, I was just at such peace. And I look at pictures of me on that beach and and it just brings me to this really beautiful, peaceful place. So I so that's the place and that's the meal that's uh, floating my boat right now. Nice. All right, with all the business success that you've had, what is your biggest challenge? Um, my biggest challenge, I would say, is um, hmm. bringing people into my vision, because I, I have sometimes quite complicated things and communicating that to the team so that they can support me in, in, in the execution. I'd say that's that's a big one for me. Nice. So one of my ideas, one of the things that I try to help people is, is designing the life that they want and then building the business to support it. And mm -hmm. I feel like you, you're in a similar space in, mm -hmm. in helping people see what's possible and then, and then design the, the business to support that mm -hmm. at whatever level, right? Whether, whether that's, you know, you're content with 5,000 pounds a month and, and and that's all you need because that's that's all you you want you know all you all you need without the stress and, and worry of of bigger and better and but mm -hmm. but at whatever level you can design the life that you want and then build mm -hmm. a business to support it rather than the other way around which I think many mm -hmm. people get caught up in the business just takes over <laughs> everything mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, by default instead of by design. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, we do that. We take people through our um, our ideal life blueprint. Um, because it, 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 there's a beautiful symbiotic relationship between having that vision and then going out and executing, because when you're going out to execute money, loves a home. So when you give money a home in terms of the vision for your life, that supports the wealth creation. 
And when you've got the clarity that also supports you in putting the quote unquote work in to go and create also, it just gives you something to move towards. So I think there's a great relationship between those two. I'm very much in, uh, in alignment with that, that approach. I like that idea that money loves a home and it's uh, one of the other areas of money that's so challenging for some to understand is the flow of money and, and how, how money, money loves to move. It's, it's spiritual. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and when you hold on to it, when you block it, when you, when you try to keep it, you're actually mm -hmm. hurting, hurting yourself and, and, and stopping, you know, what, what's meant to be flowing. Um, mm -hmm. How has contribution been a part of your money experience and, and your, your own personal growth and development? Leading factor, leading factor. My intention for my life is to be a full-time philanthropist, um, mm. specifically entrepreneurial philanthropy. That's what I'm building towards. Everything I'm creating really is 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 leading towards that. Uh, contribution is one of my top values. Freedom and contribution are up there, and uh, I don't believe any of this makes sense if we're doing it for ourselves. That's why things like tithing are so important. Uh, I've got an entire section of my entrepreneurial journey that I don't take any money out. Everything gets reinvested locally into developing countries to support and, and create things. I had a beautiful video that was sent to me the other day from the kids at a school that we built and that we continue to support. And it's, it's, it's a really big part of who I am and, and why I do this. I love that. I, my goal, and, and of course, the last two years has complicated it, was is to, to take teams to do business development workshops in developing countries like Colombia and Tanzania and Kenya. And, 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 and really not not the businesses that can afford to do it at a hotel in a big fancy place, but, but the street vendors, the, the mm -hmm. hot dog cart and the, you mm -hmm. know, the person selling cigarettes out of a cart, out of a box. <laughs> Those mm -hmm. are the people I want to, I want to lift up and, and elevate and, Amazing. and plant some, some seeds of dreams. Um, and it sounds like that's the kind of work that, that you're doing as well and, and building schools. And, and I think there, we, we need more, <laughs> obviously we need more, right? We need more, um, opportunities to help people believe mm -hmm. and, and and create opportunities to to lift people out of their unbelief exactly so obviously it seems that you're a man of faith and 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 there's there's this idea that that playing small honors god that, mm -hmm. that god wants us to be poor that god wants us to play small Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate from your own experience um, how much God really wants to lean in and, and that God is for us, not against us? Well, I mean, just look at the nature of the divine. It's expansive and contraction is not expansive. So actually to play small is going against the very nature of the divine. So how can you juxtapose those two ideas? That for me just ends the whole argument. <laughs> yep. That's a good quick answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's always fascinating that we get we get caught up on on scriptures that say things, and you make a assumption on the surface of the words. You talked about the mm -hmm. power of words, and you know, and, and scriptures where, where it says, you know, you can't serve two masters, mm -hmm. and, and it, that that scripture is very true. But the brain takes it and hears money versus God. So if I love God, I can't love money, and 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 the truth is that money's a tool it's not mm -hmm. to be worshipped right that's the difference right, right? i can't worship yeah. god and worship money mm -hmm. but god wants me to use money and have money to honor him and to and and jesus was very clear in the par parable of the talents that that he wants us to use money he wants us to multiply mm -hmm. it he wants us to not bury it and hide it mm -hmm. <laughs> but put it to, work. to use it 
Money mm-hmm. likes to work. And mm-hmm. so my, you said money needs a home. Money needs a home and it needs a job. <laughs> yeah, 100%. All right. So you mentioned your big dream, but I want you to elaborate on it just a little bit more. What 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 is your big dream, Daniel? Uh, my, my book, The Dream is Manifesto, um, kind of breaks down my vision. And that's that everybody understands that they're here to contribute to an entire orchestral exploit that's being conducted at a level beyond what we could even conceive. And and if we stop trying to judge our role and try to define our role and allow it to flow through us, then we'd be fulfilled, we'd be abundant, we'd be joyful and everything would be okay. Oh, love that. That's so beautiful. Okay, you've spent the last hour or so with having a conversation with our audience of entrepreneurs and and you want to leave them with Daniel's words of wisdom, what would you share? Um, Abundance is natural. It's normal. Look at nature. Um, Nature's never out of a state of abundance until humans get involved. And even when humans get involved, nature seeks immediately to reestablish an abundant space of equilibrium. Um, Yeah, it's it's one big game. Don't take it all so seriously. None of us are getting out of this alive anyway. Daniel, thank you so much for spending time with me. Thank you for sharing so much wisdom and and sharing from your heart i really appreciate you thank you if you enjoyed the show please like subscribe or leave a review we have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com that's addvaluemindset.com we've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast and we want to give them to you for free addvaluemindset.com In our next episode, Dr. Felicia Froh teaches Robert about food deserts and indoor tower farming and the importance of developing programs nationwide to not only end hunger, but to create systems that make healthy options more convenient. Convenience has risen up, and in many low-income neighborhoods, there are a plethora of fast food options, but no healthy options, and this leads to a rise in the incidence of diabetes and other food-related illness. This is not a we should This is a we must make healthy eating more convenient and sustainable.